invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, a very familiar passage of Scripture, and uh, it's in your pew Bibles on page 857. We'll be reading uh, Luke 2, beginning with verse 1, reading through the 20th verse, but uh, focusing there on verse 11. But hear the word of God, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. This is the word of God. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, We thank you uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, your only Son and our only Savior. Lord, we thank you, as uh, the poet once described, that Christ is at still point in the turning universe. Father, uh, we pray this morning uh, that uh, we would be... uh, coming before your word, Father, uh, with with a fresh 
outlook, Father, uh, on uh, this familiar passage of Scripture. Lord, might we behold uh, not only the glory of God, uh, but your gracious love to us in Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. You know, the most joyful Christmas hymns that we sing are saturated with gospel titles about our Savior, Christ our Savior. You know, on these Sundays leading up to uh, Christmas here in 2019, we've been focusing on these different scriptural titles for Christ uh, that we find not only in Scripture, but uh, in many of the Christmas hymns uh, that we sing. That first title for Christ was Dear Desire of Every Nation, taken from Haggai chapter 2, verse 7. And next title was uh, Christ as the Son of Righteousness, risen with healing in his wings, uh, taken from Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. Uh, Last Lord's Day, that uh, New Testament title for Christ, Christ as our Redeemer, uh, that is found in uh, Ephesians 1, verse 7. Uh, this morning, we're looking at a, a most familiar scriptural passage about Jesus' birth and one of his most important titles. In fact, I believe it's the most important title for Christ, and the, and the title is Savior. You know, listen again to Luke chapter 2, verse 11, a verse well worth memorizing, meditating upon this uh, Christmas For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You know, that sermon title is taken from the first hymn that we sang this morning, God rest ye merry gentlemen, and uh, that line, remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power, when we were gone astray, O oh, tidings of comfort and joy. You know, and at Christmas and every day, our gracious God gives us his joy, gospel joy, great joy, a growing joy in Christ our Savior. And even as our hearts seem full of joy at, at Christmas, I believe here what scripture is teaching us is this, that our gospel joy grows as we faithfully remember Christ our Savior. What should we be remembering as Christians, faithfully remembering about Christ our Savior? You know, three truths here just in this one verse. We see Christ's glorious birth. Secondly, we see uh, the gracious gift of a Savior. And then finally, uh, that Savior is a great God. Uh, It begins with the glorious birth uh, of Christ our Savior. That that phrase, for born to you this day. And we'll include that phrase in the city of David. You know, to put Luke chapter 2 in context, uh, you know, each of the four Gospels has their unique Emphases, uh, Luke's gospel is a faithful account of Jesus' life, uh, not only regarding his glorious birth and his gracious death, uh, we see his resurrection from the grave, and then Luke's gospel as well includes Christ's ascension into heaven. 
You know, there's a gospel emphasis in Luke. Not that the other gospels are missing the mark, but but Luke brings that to the forefront. You know, the gospel coming to the least of these, uh, to shepherds, uh, to those who are controlled by demons, to grieving widows, to lepers, to Zacchaeus, uh, to brodical children, to poor sinners. There, there's a free offer of the gospel uh, that permeates Luke's gospel. And now with Luke 2, uh, it begins with this historical setting, lest we uh, doubt the gospel. Is this a fairy tale? Is this a, a myth or wishful thinking? Uh, Luke grounds it in history. It tells us there, Luke 2, verse 1, in those, decree, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus uh, that all the world should be registered or taxed. Caesar Augustus, uh, not, not a beloved leader there in Israel. In fact, J.C. Ryle, you know, back quite a few years ago, wrote this. A true Christian uh, should never be greatly moved or disquieted by the conduct of the rulers of the earth. You know, so in the midst of all of this uh, political turmoil, oppression, you know, Christ the Savior is born. And as we pick it up in Luke 2 then, Joseph, uh, following the, the government dictates, heads home to Bethlehem along with his wife Mary. And uh, there a child is born uh, to Mary, a son is born. And we hear that glorious gospel announcement, for unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, but consider that phrase, you know, that, that birth of Jesus, for born to you. You know, the, the, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, second person of the Trinity, humbly, obediently, faithfully, is born of the Virgin Mary. For born to you. You know, that, that we've already witnessed the, the birth of John the Baptist. You go back to Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. So we've already seen one joyful birth, you know, but how much more joyful is the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? And even before the birth of Christ, you know, Mary is singing God's praises there. Mary's Magnificat in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 46 and following. She, she knows, she has an inkling uh, of the son that she has been chosen to bear. The Son of God, Son of the Most High, who will reign as King, the Holy Son of God, a Savior. But even Mary acknowledges her need for a Savior. There in Luke chapter 1, verse 47, Mary cries out and prays, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. 
So the birth of Christ, you know, but that, that, even that pronoun is important, for unto you. Uh, we might almost translate that, you know, here in the South, born to you all. It's a plural verb. You know, the angel isn't just speaking to the shepherds. Yes, they're the specific audience, you know, but born to you all, to Mary, to Joseph, to the Magi, and, and yes, to the shepherds. You know, it's easy um, to be caught up with the idea of this, uh, you know, picturesque scene of these shepherds surrounding Jesus, you know, with that radiant glow that uh, even uh, captures their faces. You know, but, and as you go through scripture, you can see snapshots of shepherds. Uh, But in Genesis, um, this verse uh, popped up in the study this week. You know, back in Genesis chapter 46, if you remember that account, Joseph is bringing all of his family down to Egypt, and he wants uh, his family to uh, carry on their profession of being Uh, occupation of being shepherds, and we read this, uh, Genesis chapter 46, verse 34. Uh, Joseph here is counseling his brothers, and he says, you know, when you come to Pharaoh, you shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. And then this phrase, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. I believe that hasn't changed significantly, even as we get here to, to Luke 2. You know, shepherds, in, even in Jesus' day, um, not a scriptural term, but, uh, you know, rednecks. You know, they, they were on the fringes of society. You know, they, they slept outdoors with their sheep. You know, but think about that. The gospel story did not come to politicians. It didn't come first to Caesar Augustus. It didn't come uh, to the priests. It, it didn't come uh, to, to the power brokers. Uh, the gospel came to the despised, to the downtrodden. You know, those who maybe had zero Facebook friends. You know, to simple and smelly shepherds. And then that, that phrase, Ron, to you is born this day. You know, that, that, that's a, a phrase included in Scripture so that we see that there is an urgency to this gospel message. It came at just the right time according to God's sovereign plan. Give you one example. It's used in Luke chapter 19, verse 5. Jesus is at the house of Zacchaeus. Well, before he gets to the house of Zacchaeus, he sees Zacchaeus up in the tree. In Luke 19, 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. You know, today is the day of salvation. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. You know, the city of David here is not Jerusalem. 
You know, Jesus was not born in the big city, you know, not in the Washington, D.C.'s, New York cities. You know, he was born in Bethlehem. Why Bethlehem? That was David's birthplace, David's hometown. It was a small and seemingly insignificant town. Almost, uh, you almost, and I say this with all due respect, uh, Opelousas. You know, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. The prophecy, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. You know, from Bethlehem, too little. You know, there in this insignificant town, we see the, the glorious birth of our Savior. You know, at Christmas, the uh, first two things, I, I should have checked with uh, my better half, I think the first two things that Lynn does to prepare our house, uh, she always likes to put a Christmas wreath in, in the front door. And then, I like it, but uh, she does it without my prodding, goading, uh, sets up our Christmas nativity scene, you know, right, right there by the front door. You know, and, and you think of the, the figurines that are there in a typical nativity scene. The magis, the shepherds, the animals, Mary, Joseph, and, and always at the center. You know, but, but it's the smallest figure is Jesus. You know, but, but here we consider the glorious birth of our Savior. You know, again, the third verse of our first hymn. Fear not, then said the angel, let nothing you affright. This day is born a Savior of a pure virgin bright to free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. The glorious birth of Christ our Savior, but then the gracious gift of Christ our Savior. Again, Luke 2, verse 11. For unto you is born to this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We're, we're going to see three titles here, Savior, Christ, Lord. But, but which comes first? Which is uh, the most important title? It, it's that title, Savior. You know, we, we lose some of the impact uh, of that title today. You know, if, for those who follow sports, you know, if you follow baseball, a winning relief pitcher in baseball get, gets, you know, if they win the game, they get a save. Or if you watch hockey or soccer, you know, the goalie stops the shot, what do they call it? They call it a, a save. You know, but, but that title here for Savior is only used here in Luke's Gospel, William Hendrickson writes, Attention is at all times called to the fact that in all the synoptic Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this is the only place that Jesus is called Savior. You know, and five gracious truths here 
Now, thinking through Scripture, and not to limit it, uh, but uh, just uh, five gracious truths about a Savior. You know, you know, first of all, our Savior hears our cries. Our Savior hears our cries. As you read through the book of Judges in the Old Testament, there's a repeated cycle of sin by God's people. They're, they're disobedient. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. God God graciously raises up a a judge. Um, Well, God first gives them over to their enemies. They cry out to God for help. Israel repents, and and God raises up judges, you know, men and women, you know, like Gideon, Jephthah, Samson, Deborah, uh, to save Israel from their oppressive enemies. And so for a brief time, there, there's peace. Uh, but before long, the people again do evil uh, in the eyes of the Lord. They, they disobey God. But they continually cry out to God for help. And God hears their cries. Give you one example. Judges chapter 3, verse 7 and following. What the judge named Othniel, let me read it, Judges 3, verse 7. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of, of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God, served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, Asheroth. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan, Rishathiam, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan, Rishathiam, eight years But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. You know, the Lord hears, our Savior hears our cries for help. Unless you think, well, that's just Old Testament. I won't take the time, but look at Luke chapter 8, Jairus who is the synagogue ruler, comes to Jesus. His little daughter is dying. And there is a word there that that he is imploring Jesus. He is begging Jesus, you know, to to come and, and to help. And Jesus does come, raises his dead daughter. Our Savior hears our cries. Secondly, our Savior was sent by God the Father. God the Father sent God the Son. Scripture makes that crystal clear. 1 John 4, verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. You know, Jesus, the Son of God, humbled himself by becoming flesh. He was born of a woman, made under the law, underwent the miseries of this life, endured the holy wrath of God at the cross, was buried, continued under the power of death for a time. That's a a summary of a shorter catechism question number 27. You know, why did Jesus undergo this humiliation? You know, as we sing... Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. He wasn't born so that we could ooh and ah, what a cute baby. Does he look like his father or mother? 
That would be a tough question. We know he looked like uh, his heavenly father. You know, but our Savior was sent by God the Father. So he hears our cries. He's, he's sent by God the Father. A third, our Savior rescues us from peril. He, he delivers us from the dread dominion of sin. He frees us from Satan's death grip. He, he graciously draws us to himself in love. You know, God graciously saves, and I believe he delights in saving the, the most sin-hardened people. You know, those that you would think, man, there, there's no chance that that person will ever come to faith in Christ. You know, think of Zacchaeus. I referred to that once already, but Zacchaeus, you know, hiding up there in the tree, and the Lord comes to his house, and at the end of that short story, Luke 19, uh, we read this, and Jesus said to him, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You know, that, that's why Jesus came. Seek and to save the lost, to, to rescue us from perils. You know, the most sin-hardened, think of Saul before he became Paul. And how the Lord saved him there on the road to Damascus. It's good to know the Lord also rescues panicking believers. You know, think of Peter there sinking in the wind and the waves. He, he cries out to the Lord, Lord, save me. And what does Jesus do? Immediately, you know, Jesus rescued Peter. You know, the Lord rescues us from our peril. Fourth, the Lord, our Savior, suffered on the cross. So our Savior hears our cries sent by God the Father, rescues us from peril, suffered on the cross for us, for our sins. You know, God's most gracious gift of propitiation you know, his atoning sacrifice for sins. You know, Christ died on that cross not for our sins, or for his sins, but for our sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. You know, Romans 3, verse 23 and following makes it crystal clear. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, that's us. Verse 24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. So finally, we see that our Savior reconciles us to God. Our Savior hears our cries, sent by God the Father, rescues us from peril, suffered on the cross. He, he reconciles us to God. You know, G Jesus calls us out of that tomb of death. He, he removes our grave clothes. He clothes us with his righteousness, calls us his sons and daughters, that joyful gift of peace with God through faith in Christ. 
Now, Colossians 1, 19 and following puts it this way. For in him, for in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. A lot of great Christmas hymns. You know, I encourage you to, to listen to them, to read the words, Silent Night, Holy Night. You know, it's one of the more beautiful Christmas hymns. You know, and it has a, a striking line there. You know, last verse. Silent night, holy night, wondrous star, lend thy light. With the angels let us sing hallelujah to our king. And then these closing words. Christ the Savior is born. And if we fail to miss that, Christ the Savior is born. You know, let me encourage every church family and member. No, we're, we're encouraging you to have a, a, a regular Bible reading plan, good thing to family worship and to, to go through the catechism. And if that seems overwhelming, you know, here's the first baby step. You know, this Christmas, if you've never done it before, you know, before you open your presents, you know, take time to read through Luke 2. You know, in our family, it, it was always the youngest child. We read it through in King James. And it was always an honor. I mean, it was a big thing. You know, I was the youngest of four. Three older brothers had a younger sister. So when it was finally my year to read Luke 2, man, I thought, you know, write a passage you know, to read through Luke 2. Uh, sing a few Christmas hymns. You know, you, you don't have to sing them all. You know, but that's why I gave you the, uh, all the Christmas hymns in our worship bulletin. You know, take this home. Here's four Christmas hymns um, you, you can sing. And then pray before you open the presents. Read scripture. Sing the hymns. And then pray. I know it's a challenge. Children will be chomping at the bit, ready to open presents. But uh, it's well worth the investment of time. And as you pray, give thanks for the Savior. The gracious gift of Christ our Savior. Finally and quickly, the great God in Christ. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Actually, the word the is not there. It's Christ, Lord, Christos, Kyrios. You know, he is Christ. He is Lord. He is Christ, the anointed one. Christ, the one who was prophesied in, throughout all of the Old Testament. You know, Jesus reminds us of that. Uh, there at Luke's Gospel, they're on the road to the Emmaus after Jesus' resurrection. We read this, Luke chapter 24. 
Verse 25, and he, Jesus, said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus is Christ. But then again, and finally, Jesus is Lord. He is fully divine. He is not only the Savior of sinners, but this is the Son of God. In all of his authority, in all of his sovereign rule over us, Caesar Augustus will just be a, a little footnote in history. But Jesus Christ will always be Lord and Savior. You know, we all need joy at Christmas, not just joy of Christmas caroling or wrapping presents. My family makes fun of me. You know, I get into the Christmas spirit. I do my wrapping on Christmas Eve. Watching Christmas movies. Elf. It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street. My favorite, Charlie Brown Christmas, you know, and and why is that? Older folks probably know this. You can find the clip online. You know, Charlie Brown is exasperated, distraught. Everyone's mocking him over his Christmas tree. He's losing sight of what Christmas is all about, and you hear him cry out, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And along comes Linus. And Linus says, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. He comes on the stage, lights please, he says. Spotlight focuses on Linus. He reads the account here in Luke chapter 2. And then he finishes by saying, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. You know, it's easy to forget what Christmas is all about. It's about the birth of Christ, our Savior. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, We thank you for sending us your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing we've done to earn it, deserve it, merit it. Quite the opposite, Lord. We were those sin-hardened rebels. And yet, Lord, you set your love upon us in Christ. You sent to us a Savior who is Christ the Lord the one who hears our cries, the one who is sent from God, rescues us, suffered on the cross, reconciles us to God. And Lord, may we always be rejoicing. In the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of sinners, in whose name we pray. Amen.